Uh, so to recap on last week, um, you know, worship really starts with God. Uh, we saw in the passage last week that God is seeking people to worship Him. In John, in First John four nineteen, it says that we love Him, we love the Father because He first loved us. It says also in Romans five eight that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And even in the beginning when Adam and Eve fell and they sinned and they disobeyed God by eating on the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they hid, but God came looking for them. It's all over scripture that God seeks us first and then we respond to him. This woman wasn't actively seeking God. Um, she had some knowledge of worshiping in the temples, but she wasn't seeking God with her whole heart. Uh, but even despite that, in all her sin and the way of living that she was at, uh, Christ found her and was seeking her so that she could worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And unfortunately, I had a little bit... I edited this a few minutes before all this began and it did not go in but anyways so um scott gave us kind of a compelling question at the end of last week um which is you know what is the difference between being spiritual and a follower of jesus and after thinking about it more uh, and and thinking about it through the week um I think the difference in being spiritual uh, it, and being a follower of Jesus, spiritual doesn't really call us to repentance. In Romans 1, it talks about everyone on earth knows God in the sense that there is a creator that made everything, but because of the, their hearts uh, are hard toward God. They don't worship or acknowledge Him. Rather, they worship the birds and the animals and creepy things. And why is that? Why do people worship the created rather than the creator of the world? Um, it's because created things like birds and animals, dogs and cats, uh, and other idols that people idolize and worship, they don't call you uh, into a right way of living. They don't call you into repentance, but being a follower of Jesus does. So, for example, you're going to get home, you may say something off shooting to your wife because you're tired or whatnot, and your dogs or cat, if you have a cat, I'm sorry, uh, your dog's not going to call you out. And it's not going to say, hey, you need to treat your wife lovingly. Uh, you know, birds, animals, they don't do that sort of thing. They just show that there is a creator in the world. And so, I mean, you could be the most viable of humans, and yet your pet dog will not call you to repentance. And so repentance kind of gets this negative connotation because in our minds we tend to think of it negatively and legalistically, but repentance in Scripture is really a beautiful thing because true godly sorrow repentance knows the kindness of god romans 2 says god's kindness leads us to repentance and this woman at the well that we've been going through for the last few weeks experienced the kindness of the messiah and it led her to repentance to worship the father 
in spirit and in truth. And so today we're going to just go over uh, just about four verses. I just kind of, I was kind of going through it and I I was actually supposed to go through 38 this week, but it was just too big of a chunk. And um, I have a little bit to say on this particular passage. And I want to challenge you guys with some thoughts that, um, you know, may may help you to think and you can disagree or with me or not on that. So let's dive into the verses. Um Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. It's interesting to note here that at the start of the story, we see an outcast woman who is the black sheep of the black sheep. She gets water in the heat of the day because she doesn't want to be at the well when other uh, people are around drawing water at the same time. And now after she has this amazing encounter with Christ who gave her dignity and respect and love as an image bearer of God and finds out that who she has been talking with this whole time has been the Messiah that she heard about her whole life and she even knows that he knows all her sin and all her junk she now goes from this shameful state of wanting to hide away from people and and now that her burden of sin is lifted and which makes me think of Romans 10:11 which says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame Having this mindset now, this draws her out of shame into going to the crowds in Samaria where she has a horrible reputation to tell others um, to confirm who she's speaking to and if who she was actually speaking to was, in fact, Christ, the Messiah, to come. And what's interesting, I I believe, about this passage, and this really probably hits hard with all of us, is that we, I mean, we can really learn from this woman. She didn't have any theological training or coaching uh, to witness to people about Christ. And I'm not saying that coaching or teaching about how to effectively communicate the gospel is wrong. It's definitely needed. But I think for the most of us, including myself, we feel like we need to have all our ducks in a row on theology and doctrine and apologetics to share our faith that we have in Christ and to share the gospel with others. And here's where I'm going to get the pushback. So, But I'm okay with pushback. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no subject to it. So... I may get pushed back on this, and that's okay. This is a methodology issue, not a core essential to the Christian faith issue. So if you disagree with me, that's okay. But here we go. I don't, from what I've seen with Scripture and all the years that I've read it and gone through it, um, I don't really believe that you have to be friends with someone for years to build that relationship in order to share your faith and the gospel with someone. 
I know that there's some of you in here that's had that and that's amazing. But I just want to share with you, you know, some of the perspective that I've seen in the Bible. So this isn't a Clark perspective. This is a, you know, a, a Bible perspective. Um, and so I get this all from Scripture. So first off, we see Peter preach the gospel on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people are saved. And I'm guessing it's very unlikely he was intentional friends with them for years, and then they got saved. Paul and Acts on Mars Hill told people who the unknown God was that they were worshiping, and some were saved and followed Christ that day. He probably didn't have a, a, a relationship with them for years either until he witnessed to them. And we've even seen in the Old Testament on the prophet... Um, it's not Job, which is what I wrote here, huh? Wait, Jonah? Jonah, that's it. I wrote Job in the notes. I don't know why I was thinking that. We even see in like Jonah where God calls uh, Jonah, to, this prophet, to go to Nineveh to pre preach to the city of Nineveh to repent of their sins and turn to God. And, and I know for a fact that Jonah, in that whole story, uh, did not have that because he was trying to get away and go the opposite direction of where God was telling him to go. And so, and we even see it here in this story that this woman uh, goes into the town of Samaria where she was rejected by others, didn't even talk to people, most likely, and uh, didn't want to... Uh, she didn't converse with anyone. She was hiding in shame. And yet after, after she has this encounter, she courageously goes and proclaims these people and starts talking to these people about that the Messiah has come. Um, and so this is a famous quote that says, and I'm assuming most of you have heard this, but I'll... I'll say it again and give you my thoughts. It says, preach the gospel at all times. Use words only when necessary. Uh, the original quote is attributed to St. Francis Isisi. Assisi. Uh, anything you know about me is I cannot pronounce weird names. So I probably pronounce names really wrong sometimes. Uh, it's now, so I get what it's trying to say, that we need to live out our Christian faith, and that is 100% true. We need to be doers of the word and live out our faith, but we must not mistake our living out as the gospel message. Um, so someone, so I, I like to take this example. So if someone comes up to you and asks you uh, for the hope that is in you because they've seen uh, your good works and your good deeds or something, I mean, what are, what are you going to say to them? Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm just doing good works. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I just do what I do. And I mean, that's not really a gospel message. That's not really the gospel. That's just some form of good works religion. Um, no, I mean, what we should say is, you know, my hope is Jesus. My hope is that he rescued me from my sin. He died the death that I deserve and he lived a life I could not live so that I can be in a right relationship with God. And that can be you if you trust in him. John Piper, one of my uh, 
favorite preachers that I listen to, uh, says this, There is no gospel without words. Nobody can be saved by watching deeds. Nobody is getting saved by just watching you take a bowl of soup to anybody. We cannot effectively communicate the gospel by deeds alone. There has to be words. I mean, could you imagine if this woman went out and she met the Messiah and she's like, okay, I'm just going to go and just live, live a good life. No, she went and told people that Christ was here. There, there was deeds in her going and there were words that were being spat out of her mouth. And so Romans 10, 13 through 15 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful is are those... Are, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The prophets in the Old Testament, the disciples of Jesus, the Paul the Apostle, and this woman all spoke about Christ and who he is. Um, I want to share with you guys one of my favorite evangelism videos that um, will show you the power of words because because in Ro- again in Romans, I know I quote a lot of Romans tonight, it's a great book if uh, you haven't read it yet, but it says um, the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe um, those gospel words. So uh, the context of this is um, it's an evangelist by Ray Comfort. He lives in Huntington Beach, California, and he has a ministry called the Living Living Waters, and it's an evangelism ministry. And he goes around Huntington Beach and talks with people. He's got like hundreds, maybe even thousands of videos of people he witnesses to. And this is one of my favorites by far because you really see the effect and the, the loving approach to sharing the gospel with somebody that you don't know and, and how to do that. I mean, it's, it's really powerful, and uh, I hope you guys... Uh, I every time I I watch it I tear up from it because when the gospel is proclaimed and there is godly sorrow repentance it's one of the most beautiful things in the world um, and then um, after the video we'll um, dive into the discussion so I really hope it yeah okay it did I haven't tested this out before so it's about ten minutes long. So, Mario, are you spiritual? Yes. What do you mean by that? The way I grew up, my heart was in my neighborhood, but my love, I've always been loyal to love. I've always known that. But it deceived me. I confused the two. If you confuse the two, it lets you down. You have to pick yourself up, yourself up. You can't let anybody else pick yourself up. Is that what you mean by spiritual? Self-improvement? Yes. Talking about God. Self-improvement. That's what I believe in. I believe in all religions have a universal meaning. I believe in the power of the universe. I believe that we're all just human and we're all here to spread love. And that's all I got to do. So, do you think God created everything? 
You think evolution created everything? We can never know. Ever. <laughs> well, you may not be able to know. I know. You can know within. Yeah, that, Mario? I know. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say we can never know. That's limiting your knowledge. Um, do you ever think about how amazing life is? I mean, look at the blueness of the sky and the sun. Do you ever think about the sun, how incredible it is? How incredible it is? It's 93 million miles away, and it's just warm enough to ripen your tomatoes. Any closer, we're all dead. Further away, we're all dead. Do you ever think about how amazing that is? I do. So how did it get there? I had to learn it myself. I had to go within, and nobody can teach it for you. You have to go within, and you can unlock the secrets to the universe if your loyalty lies in love for yourself. That's it. You love yourself? I do. You love God? I love God, but in my mind, God is the entire universe. So well, I love the entire. It's called pantheism. There's a difference between the painter and the painting. You don't love the painting, you love the painter, because he's the genius that created the painting. And so if you love creation, you're setting your affection on the creation rather than the creator, and that's called inordinate affection. It's a wrong order of affections. If your mum gave you a gift and you love the gift more than you love your mother, there's something wrong. You should be saying, hey mum, thanks for this car. I'm grateful to you, not to the car. Grateful to you for the gift. Make sense? I personally know who I am and why I'm here. I found my purpose from within. I know that to be true. I've never lost that in my entire life. I've been the same person. You need love. You can't be a man without love. You have to separate yourself from love in order to find that for yourself. Nobody else can do it for you. That's the point. You trust yourself? I do. How many, let me ask you a question. Spell the word shop. S-H-O-P. What do you do when you come to a green light? G-O. Good work. <laughs> Spell the word silk. S-I-L-K. What do cows drink? M-I-L-K. No, they drink water. <laughs> Never trust yourself, because we're, we're easily deceived. The Bible says, he who trusts his own heart is a fool. A lot of people are dead because they trusted their own heart. They made judgments. I can beat that truck and overtake this car, and they couldn't. Wrong judgment. Let me ask you another question. You said your concept of God is that he is the universe. Yeah. Do you think God is happy with you or angry at you? Depending on what you do, God will love you for it either way. <laughs> That's what I believe in. So how are you doing morally? As long as you stay true to yourself, God will love you. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you know in your heart you're doing it for the right reason, love. You have nothing to worry about in this world whatsoever. It's called faith. Let's see how you're doing. Do you think you're a good person? Yes. How many lies have you told in your life? I've lost count. Okay, what do you call someone who's told lies? A liar. So you've blown that one. Have you ever stolen something, even if, you're, even if it's small? Yeah. What do you call someone who steals? A liar. A thief. If you deny that you lie, steal, cheat, and deceit, you become those things. And that's what you have to understand as a human, is that you can't lose yourself in yourself, because that's the double-edged sword of love. It's out there. You just got to find it for yourself in order to truly know what it is. And I just want to push that to everybody. <laughs> Mara, you were saying that you found yourself. What are mankind's origins? Where do we come from? Women. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, originally, I don't mean from your mother. I mean, where did, what's, what's the origin of humanity? Authenticity and love. Oh, the origin. Where did we come from? What was in the beginning? Man and woman. <laughs> yeah, but for man and woman. Who created man and woman? 
a higher power. Uh, who is that? God. <laughs> okay. Why do we exist as human beings? To love. Okay. And where are, you, where are you going when you die? Whatever you did here, it depends. That's <laughs> true. Now, third commandment, you should not take God's name in vain. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Would you use your mother's name as a cuss word? Never. Never, because you honor her, but you haven't loved and honored God. You've used his name as a filter word to express disgust, which is called blasphemy. So serious. It's punishable by death in the Old Testament. Appreciate your honesty and your, uh, and your patience with me. Now, Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Yes, I'm a man. <laughs> you had sex before marriage? Yes, I'm a man. So, Mario, I'm not judging you. You judge yourself. But you've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterer at heart, and you have to face God on Judgment Day. If he judges you by the Ten Commandments of looked at four, you're going to be innocent or guilty? Guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. Now, does that concern you? Deep down, yeah. And it horrifies me. We've just met. I love you. I care about you. The thought of you going to hell just breaks my heart. Do you know what death actually is, according to the Bible? Ultimate enlightenment. Well, no, it's wages. It says the wages of sin is death. God's given you death as wages for your sin. He's paying you in death. He's given you capital punishment. Like a judge looks at a heinous criminal who's raped three girls and then murdered them. He says, you've earned the death sentence. This is your wages. This is what's due to you. And sin is so serious to God, Mario, that he's given you capital punishment. Lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterate heart. Now tell me, what did God do for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell? Do you remember? <clears throat> he came up with the idea that depending on what you do here, you're either good or bad, and that's it. You just got to stick to that and have the faith in that. No, that's not what he did. Jesus suffered and died on the cross for the sin of the world. The Ten Commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. Mario, if you're in court and someone pays your fine, a judge can let you go. Did you know that? You can say, Mario, there's a stack of speeding fines here. This is deadly serious. But someone's paid and you're free to go. And he can do that which is legal and right and just. And God loves you so much, he became a human being, suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. That means you don't have to end up in hell. God can legally... Forgive your sins, because he's the lover of your soul. And then Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death. Mario, if you give up the battle and just say, God, I'm a rebel, and you repent and trust in Christ, God will forgive every sin you've ever committed and grant you everlasting life as a free gift. Do you believe what I'm saying? Yes. It's the gospel truth. I wouldn't lie to you. Are you ready to repent and trust in Christ? Yes. Can I pray with you? <laughs> sure. Father, I pray for Mario. Thank you we met today. Thank you we met today. I pray today he'll truly repent and trust in Jesus and have his sins forgiven in a second and pass from death to life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you have a Bible out? No. I'm, I'm going to give you some literature. Do you know why you're, you're weeping? Any idea? Because I've sinned as a man. That's called contrition, and the Bible says godly sorrow, being sorry for your sins, works repentance. So I trust today that God's brought conviction of sin to you, and that you know you've sinned against God, and you'll understand that 
God can forgive you and grant you everlasting life as a free gift. I've got some literature for you. Okay, Mario, thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you interviewing me. I do. Oh, man. Now I have to talk and have tears on my eyes, so... Um, yeah, I, I really like that video because it's kind of a little bit what we've been talking about with just being spiritual as he was like and how the woman at the well was like. And, um, you know, there really is what I've been trying to get at is that there's really no gospel with. Okay. You know, there's really no gospel without words. Um, we need to use our words to effectively communicate Christ, but also with the deeds as well. It's not either or, this is a both. And, and so, anyways, um, and I just want to point out, like, doing that, uh, I've watched a number of his videos, and not everyone has that, that response. Um, but it was just one of the videos I just thought, it's one of his most, most viewed videos of all time because of, you know, the ending there. Um, but, you know, I just want to say, you know, if you're trying to witness to like one of your friends or coworkers and you effectively, and you, you know, you communicate the gospel um, and they don't either in that moment repent and turn to Christ or you don't, you don't see the change, uh, you know, our mission is to, share our faith and share the gospel and it's God's job to do the growing he just calls us to um, spread the news and so um, in case you're wondering that's kind of the approach and to a certain extent with minus the video camera and microphone and all that that's kind of uh, when I do evangelism uh, in downtown Moscow is kind of the the kind of style I take is talking with somebody and going through the Ten Commandments and sharing the gospel just like with what Ray Comfort did.